In a world of podcasts about movies, sci-fi, TV, and podcasts about sci-fi, TV, and movies, two women chose to add their voices to the fray. Two sisters. One woman was willing to go to any length to explain away plot holes and bad pacing. I don't think, first of all, much like the entirety of this film, I don't think we're supposed to ask a lot of questions. The other, though, had no such sympathies. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. Together, they joined forces to highlight the good, the bad, and the truly bizarre. This is See You Next Week in Space. before about UFOs and alien invasions and I guess kind of like aliens um, of varieties of persuasions, right? Like, um, but I guess what this week's movie makes me wonder, and you can certainly speak to this as an expert, do you think oh God. in the context of New York City, and and I mean New mm. York City in the broadest, you know, like all the boroughs, all the everything. Yeah. Um. Do you think that is a good hiding place for an alien to go, or many aliens uh, to be? I mean, yeah, I think so. Um, and I know, and the movie we're talking about today definitely posits that for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, is it, yes, I do think that it is good because there are a lots of weirdos. Um, you can be pretty much any type of person and kind of fit in in New York. Um, there's just in general, the mass of people and people kind of don't pay attention. I'm not even sure the term fitting in could even apply to New York. <laughs> I guess that's what, yeah, I guess that's true too. Like you don't even, there's not a thing, there's no such thing as fitting in. Everybody can do what they want, kind of. Because like I mean, fitting in suggests that there's like, I don't know, like some kind of overarching mainstream or way community to be. or something yeah. that you would yeah. then try and you know, fit into. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not sure that I would say that's how I... My experience of New York is not necessarily that. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, that's probably right. I mean, so my answer is yes, but I also could see certain small towns being a good hiding place too because... It depends on, like, the size of small, because if it's, like, too small, where, like, everybody knows everybody's business, that might not work, but, like... Yeah, but, I mean, because the thing about both, like, ends of that spectrum of, like, very small town, super mega city New York, the most Mm -hmm. important key is people who will not respond to seeing something weird will not yeah. ask follow-up questions 
Um, yeah. And who actively seem to kind of, if something weird is happening in front of them, like, the, it's all of a Ignore sudden like, they, like they're blind. Yeah, I think then also I would say, and this is controversial, but a thing about small towns or certain areas is the people are stupider. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm and I'm really just sort of kidding. But like, (laughs) if you have a place where the people are stupider, then boom is also that's a good place wherever that may be small town or city like I think let's maybe say it in a slightly more diplomatic way you want people (laughs) who never are interested in anything yeah like who just are like there's not you don't you don't want you don't want a a Gladys Kravitz or a you know whatever that she's the nosy neighbor and bewitched right oh thank you because I was like wait who now (laughs) I think that's her. I think that's her name. I might might be wrong about what show that's from, but um, she's like. I think she's like your quintessential nosy neighbor. Right. You don't want that, right? You don't want to like every time you leave your house or come back to your house and you see that like little blip of a curtain because someone has been peeking out. Yes, like you right. don't want that. Um, so certainly. Right. Yes, like I a certain type of small town would allow for that. Um, yeah. And I think even too, what would be the, I mean, the downside or no, not the downside. I think though, the thing about being in a small town is as we learned in resident alien, there's probably in a small town, you could only get away with one alien. Yes. Um, or maybe like a family, like an alien family, but you couldn't have a whole community of, right different types of aliens living right. like in the context of a small town. I mean in the context of this movie New York City is like 90% aliens. At least that's a kind of like the vibe that it gives. Well, actually they only mention that at any given time there's only 1500 aliens on the whole planet. Oh. Um but that oh, most of they? them oh. are in New York City. Um, but let's get into it. Hello, everyone. Um, <laughs> welcome to See You Next Week in Space. I'm Sarah Walsh, and I'm here with my co-host and sister, Amy Walsh. And Amy, why don't you tell the good people what we're talking about today, although they may have already deduced it. I feel like there are a lot of, like, New York alien movies, but um, we are talking about specifically the 1997 uh, summer blockbuster Men in Black, one of my personal favorites, and it is one that I, like, I'll just say right off the top, I definitely recommend and I do like, and I have watched many times of my own volition, not for this podcast alone. <laughs> yeah, um, this I think will probably be which the, is rare. Yeah, extremely and exceptionally rare. Um, and we'll talk about kind of some of your more favorite characters and perhaps <laughs> mm-hmm. why maybe at the end we'll think talk about about why you think this one like worked for you and not others um mm-hmm. but I think this one will conclude our summer blockbuster series because weirdly the summer is like ending um and I don't even know where it went um That's- Super weird. I know. Yeah. Um, but so just for those of you who maybe are not familiar with this movie, but as we'll discuss, I, I would find that hard to believe. Um, 
Yes. The IMDb description is... A police officer joins a secret organization that polices and monitors extraterrestrial interactions on Earth. Um, now, that is technically the best description, what but... happens, I suppose. Um, IMDb needs to step it up with their descriptions, not going to lie. Uh, IMDb is, is both a font of information and also a font of useless nonsense. Um, and you just have to kind of parse out which is which. Um, now, did yeah. you know that this was based on a comic book series? Um, no, but I, but that makes sense. Yeah, so uh, the comic books were also kind of of the same name. Uh, it was called The Men in Black, and that was, uh, I believe that's from the early 90s when those came out. But there were only kind of, mm. I think maybe between six and ten issues or something. So not a super long um, comic book series. Uh, but they were done by uh, Lowell Cunningham and Sandy Carruthers. Um, and so, as is often the case with some of the intellectual property stuff that becomes uh, a Hollywood movie, it seems as though primarily the reason why this intellectual property was purchased was for the title The Men in Black. Um, yeah. And a, and, a, and a vague kind of conceptual connection to the comics because the comics um, are much more in line with... Because did you know that there's also just The Men in Black, which is a, a kind of conspiracy theory that predates yes. the comic books and the movie? Oh, I maybe didn't know that it predated it, but I definitely have heard that conspiracy. Like they literally, they like as if that this is a real government agency that does exist, right. and there are like weird pictures of them and stuff. Right, and they're they're often associated with UFOs, and that they're kind of this yeah. entity responsible for keeping specifically alien information secret. Um, yeah, but you know, uh, in the contact in the comic book that was expanded outward to have this men in black group be responsible for a variety of different supernatural investigations so like werewolves and vampires mm. and witches you know and all oh, kinds whoa. of stuff like that but um the movie of course just focuses on the alien part um, i think that's a smart choice yeah i think i mean for the context of a movie where we want to just tell yeah a story um, yeah. And this is before people were like, oh, isn't this great IP? It allows us to do, like, a couple movies and, like, a million TV series and, like, all this mm -hmm. stuff. And I think that's especially intriguing Then leads me to my next point, which is, though this was not originally a Marvel property, it has become a Marvel property. Um, because... Oh, weird. The company that released the initial run of comic books um, was bought out by a series of different companies, the final of which was Marvel. Um, so mm. uh, I guess technically we're doing a Marvel movie, although it was not at the time. Um, and I mm. do wonder if that means... Because there was that more recent um, Men in Black movie... Uh, and I 
don't know. Oh, really? Yeah, there, there was one where it was like, unsurprisingly, it was like Chris Hemsworth and, oh God. Really? Who's, who's the, that woman, oh, what is her name? She's in Dear White People. Um, oh, Tessa Thompson. That's who I'm trying to remember the name mm. of. Um, so, so that was like a more recent endeavor that might have been a specifically more Marvel thing. Um, hmm. and as you probably know, there was also a Men in Black 2 and 3, um, as well as this more yeah. recent movie. Uh, I think I've technically... I think I saw two. I don't think I ever saw three. I think, I know I've seen two, and I'm pretty sure I saw three once. Um, and okay. that's it. Um, and then there was also an animated series that went from 97 to 2001, Hmm. Um, I also, uh, noticed, well, actually we'll talk about that when we talk about the credits, so I'll come back to that in a second. Um, the other thing that I wanted to say is about the summer blockbuster situation of this all. So this movie was released on the 2nd of July, 1997 for 4th of July weekend. Um, and this, I think that means that this was like the second year in a row that a Will Smith movie came out on 4th of July yeah. weekend. I think the year before was Independence Day. Um, he was big in, in summer blockbusters for a while there. Well, and we'll talk about that when we talk about him. Um, but so mm -hmm. this is part of the reason, I think, as well, that I, like, you know this movie. And I, I would argue that certainly people of our generation... I don't think there's a single person who wouldn't know vaguely that this movie exists and probably watched it at least oh, yeah. once. Um, but I, I would think. But I think as well, probably it's carried through generations to some degree because um, in the first weekend, it made $51.1 million. Um, and I think that was just domestic gross. And that is the third highest opening weekend of all time. Um, according to IMDb, Whoa. or not? What's to, the highest? According I to Wikipedia, oh, they mentioned it. One of them is one of the more recent Jurassic Park movies. Um, oh, hold on, let me find it because I have that page up. It probably is more recent stuff that makes more sense. Um, Avatar, probably right? No, or something. Oh, here it is, box office. Um, no, the third highest. So the top. Opening weekends, according to Wikipedia, um, are Batman Forever, The Lost World, Jurassic Park, and this. Batman Forever? Which one is that? Not that it matters. Um, that's the one... Is that a more recent one, or is that... No, that's from 1995. That's the one that has um, George Clooney mm -hmm. as Batman and oh, Jim okay, Carrey okay. as the Riddler. It's another Tommy okay, okay. Lee Jones vehicle, though, so that's interesting. Um, I do love me some Tommy Lee Jones. We'll yeah. talk about him, but I do like him. Um, so really a massive <clears throat> hit, and it ended up having a worldwide gross of $589 million. Um, so this was a complete juggernaut um, with a corresponding hit song that Will Smith made, of course. Um, so really quite, quite something indeed. Um, so let's mm -hmm. talk a bit about the cast, talk about good old Tommy Lee and Will, etc. Mm -hmm. So, um, 
of course, Tommy Lee Jones, who was 51 in this movie, which I wasn't surprised by, but was at the same time. Okay. A little question there, because I looked this up too. He, at one point, well, mm, not to give away the ending. We've all seen it. It's from 1997. But at the end, it says he woke up from a 35-year coma. So he's (laughs) 51. He started doing this when he was 16. I think that is more or less the story they're saying. I, really? Can, I think Holy so. Holy shit. Well, because it was he wasn't Whoa. meant to be there. Right? Whoa. That's That's his okay. story, is that he wasn't meant to be there. He was driving down a, like a country road and got oh. tangled up in it. Oh. oh. Okay, okay, okay. I forgot that part. Okay, um, okay. anyway. Yeah, so he plays K, um, but... We don't super need to talk about Tommy Lee Jones's acting career because we probably know quite a bit of that. Um, but just so that we can like place You this didn't write down one of my favorites in here. Uh, the Fugitive? No, that's not my favorite. It's a movie <laughs> That's probably embarrassing. It's a movie called Double Jeopardy with Ashley Judd. I like him in that. Oh, is he in that one? Okay. I also like that movie. I yeah. couldn't remember he was in that. Um, yeah, he's the main, like, guy who's chasing her. Oh. He's, like, the parole officer guy. Oh. Okay, I didn't remember that. Because what I wrote yeah. down were some of the things that I thought were, like, that they, that kind of built him up to this. Because, like, he was in JFK. Yeah. He was in The Fugitive. And he was in The Client. And this movie came kind of right around that time. So he was super prominent mm. as, like, this serious guy who played yeah. kind of intense... But also, like, lawmen, mm-hmm. which I think is still what he's yes. doing here. Um, yeah. But what I was surprised to learn is that um, he graduated cum laude from Harvard in 1969. Um, and, in fact, was a roommate of Al Gore while he was there. Whoa. <laughs> That's wild. Yeah, I had no idea of that. Um, but I guess he was... He may be similar to how last week we talked about how Farrah Fawcett like got um, a degree in microbiology from uh, UT Austin, and then but knew she was going to do acting. He seems about the same. I, I didn't mention what he got his degree in from Harvard, um, but like he went straight. Well, I don't think they have like an acting degree at Harvard. No, I mean I'm sure they Maybe would they have do. like a theater or you know something. Oh yes, like for sure. They strike. definitely have like theater stuff, but. It's like, I don't know if they would have a major, but I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. And back then, I also, but like he went straight from Harvard to New York City and then from there on Mm. to fame and fortune. Um, And it Mm. looks like he's still, uh, because by now he would be 70 something. Yeah. Um, I think 75 because I think I looked it up. Okay. (laughs) But he's still doing stuff. So, um, I mean, I think he's slowing, I think it's probably fair to say he's slowing down, but he does seem to be like one of those guys who would rather do a bit of something rather than like fully retire, maybe, it seems. Mm -hmm. Um, Next we have the character James slash Jay, played by a 29-year-old Will Smith, who I did not know that his full name is Willard Carroll Smith the second. Uh, me neither. 
So his name is first of all Willard. I would have thought his name was William. Indeed, as would I have. Carol. My computer is being funky right now, so I can't see like the way that that's spelled. But is that spelled like C A R O L? It's spelled with two R's. I think when men are oh, named, it's like a last name. When men are named Carol, I often see it with two R's, and so yes, it might be something. I also of feel like that sounds like a last name. Of yeah. Some but wow, I did not know that. Yeah. Um. So he is one of the most commercially successful actors ever and certainly working currently and by that I mean that when he Mm -hmm. is in a movie the likelihood that that movie is going to make a lot of money is exceptionally high it's high um so he is and this is all from uh, IMDb Wikipedia so he is the only actor yeah to have been in eight consecutive films to gross over $100 million in the United States. Wow. Um, so that's eight in a row. Um, and I have to imagine wow. that probably was maybe started with Independence this Day. This time period. And then, yeah, and carried yeah. through into the early 2000s, is my guess, with like Bad Boys, this one, yep. um, some other ones. Even probably, even like Wild Wild West, which I know like wasn't well received, or it, right. maybe at the, I can't remember if at the time it was, but. No, it, like, it was panned. Yeah, he was. Quite harshly. It was panned even at the time. I couldn't remember. Yeah. Um, um, go ahead. But yeah, he was in everything. Yeah. I was just going to say he was in everything at that time. Yeah, he was. In, and he still, you could say, basically is in quite a lot of stuff even now. <laughs> um, and like what's interesting about him, I think, is like especially in that period of time, um, it was like he could be in all kinds of different things because he was in... This and he yeah. was in independent, so it wasn't just action and shit, or like if it was action, it was different types mm-hmm. of action because it was like, what's that other movie with Gene yeah. Hackman, Enemy of the State? Um, so he uh-huh. was just in all, and he was kinds. also in like Hitch, right? Hitch, yeah. and um, well, this is later, what's that one where he's like a bad superhero? Um, Hancock, yeah, so just like quite a lot of stuff, and so unsurprisingly, yeah. his bio on IMDb says that um, he, when he got onto Fresh Prince, he started like basically studying like um, big movie stars and what they did and how they did it. And he was like, that's my goal to just be like the biggest movie star in the world. Um, and it's a good goal. Well, not, I mean, I, I imagine a lot of people have that goal, but doesn't manage to make it's a it goal happen. That, yes, well, I mean, that's what I'm saying by, like, it's a good goal because it's, like, very lofty. It. And, like, but, yeah, he, if you act, if you say that and then you actually are able to do it, that's Yeah, because I think even now, like... That's why that slap thing was such a whole, like, multi-day news cycle situation. Um, because... Because he's so big and famous? Yeah, like, literally, probably almost everyone in the whole world knows who this is. Like, um... Yeah. 
so he did, he set a goal. And his name is Will Smith. Like, can you it's imagine so how plain. many Will Smiths are in the world? <laughs> yeah. And, but you, when you say Will Smith, you're like. Yeah, everyone yeah, knows. I know who I'm talking They're about. They're not like, oh, you mean my like super great butcher my second cousin (laughs) yeah that's not what they're thinking about at all um yeah i think also i think this is kind of a well-known fact but i didn't know it um he was asked to play neo in the matrix um but he turned it down to be in wild wild west which um, oh i think i have heard that yeah which was a mistake but i mean he's publicly on record as saying like that wasn't a good choice but he also has said like you know I couldn't have done it the way Keanu did that you know like basically like not that yeah like it was meant to be the way that it was right and I think I mean I could certainly see him being in a movie like that for sure and doing a good job but it just would have been a totally different thing you know, um, yeah, I mean, and there's so many movies where you like hear about like who they wanted first or who right. maybe replaced someone and like it would have made it totally different. And it doesn't mean that just that only that one person could have played that role. It just right. means like, you right. know, yeah. Yeah, that's the whole like Eric Stoltz as Marty McFly yeah. in Back to the Future where it's like um, they they had shot almost the whole movie and were like, wait, this is not turning out how we want it to be. Like, and I don't think that it was even like, I, I'm not sure. I pretty sure like what they say about that is like the tone was just not what they wanted. Like it it was darker than what they wanted. So that, that wouldn't have necessarily been a bad movie. It just wasn't have been a different movie, a different take on it. Yeah. So, I mean, we don't really need to talk about any of his um, roles. He's had a bunch. Um, and But I will say, I think part of the reason why he's a smart um, business person is not only is he in these movies as, like, the actor that he is, is relatively early on, he gets executive producer credits as well, which means he's making a lot more money off of these movies than simply as like the talent um so you know i think he and his family will never need to work again unless they want to um then we have two more characters that are central to the storyline um there's laurel who's played by a 39 year old linda fiorentino which I didn't realize she was 10 years older than Will Smith, and that makes, like, the flirtation between them kind of a little more interesting to me than I thought it was. Yeah, um, but it doesn't make time. it, like, gross. It's, like, it's not a gross no, age difference No, no, it's just more interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But I felt um, like she had kind of an older woman vibe, don't you? Like, I guess. I mean, yeah, I guess he's trying to play, like, I'm this, like, new hot shit detective and she certainly seems very like I've been doing this a little while career somehow or something yeah Yeah. so maybe that's right but I had not really fully realized that um now Linda Fiorentino at the time would have been super recognizable and this role would have stood out as extremely different from most of the roles that she had done up to this point, because Mm. she was like the go-to actor for all of those movies that don't get made anymore. Erotic thrillers. She was in a bunch of them. I could picture Um, that. One of some, 
Some of the more famous are The Last Seduction, Bodily Harm, and Jade. I have not um, seen any of those. I feel like I've heard the How Did This Get Made podcast about Jade. Yeah, same. I've never actually same. watched it. Yeah, that's true. I've heard that too. Um, and I've also heard about The Last Seduction, mm. um, which is a similar one. Like, all of these ones are like, is this sexy woman a killer or is she just sexy? Like, oh, that's yeah. kind of mostly yeah. what it's all about. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, of course, she does, uh, she's one of the main protagonists in Dogma, uh, which I also like. Um, but and she's I also in the, she's in the, um, the sequel of this, I think. She's in Men in Black, too. Oh, maybe she is. Um, but I was surprised to see that her last credit was in 2009. Hmm. Um, and it seems like she, for whatever reason, is is not coming back. Um, well, and I don't know why. I mean, it's like... But things did seem to really dry up for her pretty quickly, like when the 2000s came along, yeah. which I... I don't know why that would be so. But, I mean, I won't, I won't, um, I won't say it because I don't know. But you know, I, I do tend to think that people who, their roles are hinged upon like their sex appeal, I would say probably don't have careers that are as long as maybe someone like Meryl Streep, who can like play a mom. Sure, <laughs> sure. I don't know. I mean, I, mean, I don't know. Like, I don't have that as a fact, but. But, I mean, like, she's a good actor. Oh, I There's know. No reason, like, but, like, it's really true. Like, so she has this big run in the 90s of all these different things. And then the, then the year 2000 comes. She has, like, that's kind of the last bit of this run. And then there's one credit in 2002... And then there's one credit in 2009. And that is fucking it. Interesting. Like, um, and I don't know if maybe, like, it does look like starting around, yeah, so it's like 91, 92, 93, 94, 95, 96, 97, 98, 99, so she's, so all of those years she has one to two movies mm. come out, so maybe she just felt like she got burnt out. Yeah. And was like, I'm, I'm Peace done. Peace out, bitches. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm just surprised by that. And I guess mostly what I'm surprised by is, like, often in situations like that, you see someone, like, take a break, and then they maybe come back. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, that, and that allows for the audience to kind of, quote-unquote, forget that you were sexy, and then you, <laughs> why not play a mom? Yeah, you know, true. Or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but she has not done that, and so I'm just, I'm just a bit surprised by that. Yeah. But, you know, what, what are you going to do? Um, now the last character we need to talk about, uh, as you'll see as we go through the outline, Amy, is sometimes just referred to as Edgar, and then other times is referred to as Edgar in quotation marks, um, because for reasons, um, and this is played by a 38-year-old Vincent D'Onofrio. And I think one and of his greatest roles, quite frankly. I mean... Yes, I... I know how much you love him. I do, I do, I love him in this, and I do, I will say, like... I've not, I know he's been in like lots of other things and is well known for like lots of, I, I think, and I have not seen all of that. I think this is some of his best acting work. I don't, I think it's, 
Decept- <laughs> I think it's deceptively hard what he does in this movie. Um, Perhaps. I mean, certainly some of the physical stuff, for sure. The voice he um, does? Like, I don't know what WTF is ha- going on, but, like, that voice he does is phenomenal. And he's... <laughs> He's unrecognizable by the end of the movie as oh, himself. Oh, yes, he is. And, yes, I, I I, even would say he's unrecognizable as himself almost from the start. Very like close to the as, start, yeah. Um, as soon as he becomes the other thing, he doesn't look like himself. Um, now, we don't really have to talk about him and his background, because, and I'm sorry to mention this phrase to you, because we talked about him when we talked about the cell, we won't say any more than that Mm-mm. because I don't want you to get mad at me again. I hate that movie so much. And I forgot he was in it, and now I hate him a little bit more than I remembered. But, um, yeah, I hate that movie. But I will say, you have I some know. of the smaller people in this, and um, Rip Torn is in this, and my story about him is I saw him on a plane one time, and he was kind of a dick. <laughs> Wait, why did you see him on a plane? I have where no idea where I was going, from? but Rip Torn was also going probably Florida, because I don't know where else, like, because I feel right. like I was with the Rothenbergs, and we were going to Florida, okay. like, we were teenagers. And is that how, like, because you as a child wouldn't have known who Rip Torn was. I think I knew him from this movie. Like, no, I think I knew him from this oh movie. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I might not have known the name Rip Torn, but I was like, I recognize that guy. Sure, sure. And then Barbara was like, I'm going to talk to him. And I think that's, and I want to say. Oh, my God. I think maybe, because he was sitting in first class, and maybe he, well, I feel like one of, of us course, tried to talk to say, him. I how were you near him? I don't yeah. know that we were, but anyway, I just remember that, and he was kind of like, don't talk to me. Um, which is, yeah, that, at the I time, mean, I probably was like, out. wow, you're rude. But looking back, it's like, fair enough. Um, I'm just on the plane. Please leave me alone. Yeah, like, especially on the I'm going to fucking like, Florida. I can't escape you. Yeah, like, exactly. I feel if bad. Turn out to be a weirdo, then I can't. If I, I were a celebrity, if I were a celebrity on planes, first of all, I wouldn't go on them. But second of all, like I, <laughs> I would nowadays. I feel like it'd be much easier to hide. I'd be like, I'm putting on a fucking mask. Putting on my sunglasses, right. putting on a hat, y'all bitches right. aren't gonna talk to me. Like the mask, right. I think is key if you're a celebrity. That would be helpful in that yeah. case for sure, especially if you're a celebrity flying commercial. Yes, and I mean I I respect and appreciate those that do because I have read not that anyone here cares that private jets are actually the leading cause of climate change issues, and it's not so much our, like, plastic straws and whatnot. No, no, no. I mean, like, yes, it is, it's, like, not only private jets. It's, like, corporate anything is, like, pumping all kinds of pollutants. Yeah, but private jets specifically, like, the amount, and because... I'm sure they're a part of it, because there's Because there's also an overuse of it, too, where they're flying from, like, ridiculous places where they could just drive... You know, so right. things like that. Anyway, we won't yeah. we won't bash them all here, but um, there's probably many a podcast where that's I'm sure with more actual evidence, <laughs> data, some data. I don't have data. I just have like I just have headlines that I've read. Um, yeah, but also Tony Shalhoub, I like in this movie. You've put just some of like kind of like yep, day player type people. Stand out. 
Yes, good standout. And that, I think, is what makes this movie really good, is that these smaller roles are done by really good people. We also have Siobhan Fallon Hogan. I don't know who that is. Beatrice. Oh, that lady, that lady. wife. Yeah. She's good, too. Yeah. So now let's move on to talking about this movie. And this was another one that... We, and this has happened quite a bit, and maybe there's maybe what we're finding out is that summer blockbusters keep it simple <laughs> with the story. Mm-hmm. Um, because this one was like really short in terms of handwritten notes for me. Um, and I love that. And I think right, I think right away we can break down why this one works for me, and that's part of it. <laughs> Not well, and this one too. Um, let's see, what's the running time on this? You probably know. Um, I want to say it's like one thirty-eight. It's yeah, it's like definitely less. Oh yeah, exactly one thirty-eight. Man, oh man, Amy, you are good at that. I am an um, idiot savant when it comes to the length of movie. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Um, so absolutely, this is the right to me. This is like the right. Uh, length that mm-hmm. a summer blockbuster should be. Mm-hmm. There is no B story. There are no side plots. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like ex- uh, exposition, set piece, exposition, set piece, like yeah. moving through the stuff. Um, and in fact, part of that was simplified. There was a kind of more complex story that the movie originally included. Um, but in post-production, they cut out a whole chunk. Oh, interesting. Like, this is just making the movie too convoluted. And so they just took it out entirely. I wish more movies would do so, that. <laughs> I, I, well, I think the times have changed. Yeah. Um, They're like, how can we make this more convoluted? How can we add more time well, to it? Well, and like no one, somehow no one wants, quote unquote, no one wants to go to a movie that isn't two hours long. Okay, I don't know who that like, is. Oh, yeah. Um, so we come into this movie through a rather, I actually quite liked the soundtrack and then was unsurprised to see that it was a Danny Elfman, Mm. um, joint and he's, I like a lot of his soundtracks. Um, he's very prolific as a soundtrack man Mm -hmm. or like, what's the word composer Mm -hmm. or, um, yeah, the scores of movies. Soundtrack Um, man, I think is right. And then there yeah, soundtrack man sounds right. Um, and then, so we're we're flying through the air, coming down to land. Um, and I was also noticing that the font of the credits, I was like, that's the Adams Family font. It's the Barry like, Sonnenfeld. It's the Barry Sonnenfeld font. He does right. the same font in every movie, I think. Yeah, well, certainly in the '90s he did, and so then yeah. that's what I was gonna say before. This, this is a Barry Sonnenfeld, and he was um, selected to do this because of the success of the two Adams Family movies. Did he also do Beetlejuice? Earlier. Good question. I'm, I'm trying. Not to, I'm trying to think sure. of the other movies that have that font, and I, that was just one that came to mind. He, but I mean, that seems like a thing he would do, but I'm not. No, that's Tim Burton. Sorry. Oh, duh. Yeah, no, yeah, that's yeah. That's Tim Burton. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah, I, I don't. I had a major like senior moment, and then I was like, no, no, of course that's Tim Burton. <laughs> um, so we arrive down in um, kind of somewhere in the southwest of the United States, and we are following this van of undocumented people who are trying to get into the United States, presumably 
from uh, Mexico and elsewhere in Central America. Mm-hmm. Um, the van gets pulled over by INS, which stands for Immigration and Naturalization Service, which was the kind of overarching, um, unsurprisingly, kind of immigration and border control agency in the United States um, from 1940-ish until 2003, um, when its role was actually broken into three different government agencies that we have now. Hmm. Um, Yeah, so... uh, we have these guys, they look like police officers, but they're INS. They stop the van. They ask everyone to get out. Um, I was really struck by... Um, this is something that I I notice about Americans quite a lot, Americans in foreign lands, because I've been an American in a foreign land. Um, when Amer- Some Americans, when they speak another language, are like really like technically proficient like they're saying everything correctly but then they're saying it with this like super strong american accent mm-hmm, mm-hmm. on top of it and and that's precisely the style of spanish that this main like ins guy is doing to them i can't picture like, i i thought it was i can't remember because i feel like didn't tommy lee jones do it too sort of well, Tommy Lee Jones was actually pretty good at speaking Spanish. Oh, was he? And then I was like, yeah, um, like he still was a bit more. What did the What did the original stilted. INS guy say? Did he? Do you remember what he said to them in Spanish? Um, it was like, uh, gosh, I can't remember now. It's like, ¿Qué están haciendo aquí? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That kind of yeah. style, but then, um, like. Tommy Lee Jones was like, bienvenido, saludos a Estados Unidos. Oh, yeah. Like, welcome to the country. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. He and was like, better at it. Con Dios. And like, um, and, but he's from Texas. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, and well, now I know he's also a Harvard graduate. Um, Maybe he studied that Spanish. that necessarily means, yeah, but I was like, oh, he's actually doing a good job. And he like welcomes them to the U.S. And, you know, like, there was something, I just... I was like, this is... Because even back then, well, it's been an ongoing thing for a very long time in the United States. But, like, I really liked how they were just like, here's our subtle jab at the kind of politics of immigration of the mid to late 90s. Mm-hmm. Where he's just like, go ahead, guys. Welcome to the country. Happy to have you. And the INS guy's like, wait, 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 wait. No. <laughs> Um, and, and then of course, like later on, they're like, yeah, thank you so much for protecting this country from the dangerous aliens, (laughs) um, which I quite enjoyed. Um, but then they uncover this one guy who like, I don't know. It's like, obviously that guy was a mutant of some, he like looked weird even anyway, but uh, Kay is speaking to him in Spanish, and then he's like, you don't understand a word of Spanish, do you? And the guy's just like... Laughing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he's like, okay, come over here. And um, then, of course, the reveal is that, in fact, he's this massive alien with, like, lots of weird, like, 
he's holding the he's right holding word, the guy the 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 human guy's head on a stick. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I can't remember. Does this alien also imply that something bad is about to happen on Earth? I can't remember. I can't remember because I don't remember. I don't remember why they get into a trouble all of a sudden, and then the issue is that Kay's partner D falls down and like hesitates shooting mm-hmm. the alien because the alien is about to attack the uh, the nosy INS guy who's followed them over the ridge. Right. Um so then Kay has to shoot this alien, which in turn results in a lot of alien goo like so much raining goo. down. There's a lot of goo on... in this movie and usually I'm not into the goo. Yeah. But... Oh yeah. If you want I mean, what's interesting is I wouldn't say we have alien wet mouth per se. Not a whole lot. Um, a little bit. maybe the end. Yeah. But we sure have a lot of alien goo. Yes. And goop. Yes. And things. Um, and so uh, quite a lot of it in this case is like this blue type of goop. Mm-hmm. Um, mainly on this one guy. Um Kay then neuralizes them all with a little neuralizer. Do you want to try and explain what the neuralizer looks like? Uh, it looks like a... <laughs> it, um, it, well, I've got a couple things coming to mind, and none of them are really, like, suitable for work. But, like, it kind of looks like a dildo. <laughs> Yes, that's what I, I was waiting for you to say that. <laughs> it kind of looks like a dildo that has a light that lights up and like yeah. Yeah, made out of metal. But like a very but a, also, I, again like a very like a technical dildo if that makes sense like one that not that doctors <laughs> have dildos but like also like yes like, like what, a medical yeah it's like a medical because it's like because it's so like metally and like it's not like yeah yeah yeah. Um, that's what it looks like, and he tells them all to look at the, like, little light at the top. It sends out a flash. The flash, um, wipes their memories. hmm Rude. Can you hear that motorcycle? I did. I heard that, yes. Um, so, uh, anyway, uh, wipes their memory, says that there was swamp gas, which is a typical, um, this is, like, a nod to the conspiracy theories around Men in Black because often when people say that they have seen UFOs, the explanation is almost always swamp gas. What the F is swamp? What is swamp gas? Oh, no. they No, this they say is a gas leak. Uh, It's later that they say swamp gas and a different thing. Um, And then the Men in Black cleanup crew shows up um, and K&D have a moment where D is like, um, I just kind of can't do this job anymore. Um, and we see K wipe D's memory. Mm-hmm. And that's our cold open. Although, I guess this other part is mainly, maybe also a bit of a cold open. We cut to a New York City street. We see Will Smith, whose character at this point is called James. Um, he is chasing down a perp, uh, and he's wearing, like, what a the jumpsuit. I don't even know how to tied describe around what he's the wearing. waist. Yeah. 
It's got a lot. It's like very orange. Yeah. It's very baggy. Yeah. It's got a lot of zippers on it. Yeah. Um, it's it surprisingly all looks that's good happening. on him. Like sure. I feel like anybody else wearing it would be like, "What? Why are you wearing balloons as pants?" Or like, "What is happening?" But it like <laughs> looks okay on him. Like he looks good. Yeah. Well, I think I was realizing this now watching this movie not just for enjoyment but to like actually think about it i think they put him purposefully in really intense colors before yeah. he goes into the whole black thing um so mm-hmm. this is just the start of that um yeah. they're going all through town um at one point he jumps from a bridge into a double decker tour bus and says one of my favorite lines from this movie which is <laughs> Uh, it's just raining black people in New York. Um, it is a good one. Which, that's a good one, and it, and I feel that there are people all over the world, but particularly, like, in the Midwest, who are like, yes, that sounds exactly accurate. Oh, my God. Cheryl, you can't go there. <laughs> um, Cheryl. So, of course, because it's, like, a New York City movie, they end up having their chase... Um, kind of conclude in the Guggenheim. Um, Which, by the way, the like, just just in case anyone was curious about the, like, logistics, and because this is, like, every New York, New York movie ever, and movies in general, but he, when he jumps off of that part where he's in the double-decker bus, that's, like, around, I'm pretty sure it's around um, Grand Central Station. When they conclude, they're at, they're at the Guggenheim, you said? Yeah. That is... Totally uptown. That is 30 blocks away at the least. That is a far-ass way. And he got there in, like, two minutes. And he runs up. Right. And he runs up the whole, like, that whole circular bit of the entry of the Guggenheim. And let me tell you... More or less in the same... That would be a lot. Oh, my gosh. And I have literally just been to the Guggenheim a couple of times. And just walking slowly and looking at things, like... I've gotten dizzy in there. So, like, the thought of running up the... I can't even imagine. And he does it more or less. That's the other thing. Because we first see the alien, like, jump up and climb up the side of the Guggenheim. Yeah. And then he goes into the Guggenheim and runs up and runs up. And somehow they arrive on the roof similar time. That's wild. And, like, also it would be closed. I mean, I get it. Like, it's a movie, but sometimes... Well, he breaks the front door. Oh, he does. Which... Oh. And then it's, like, there should be a bunch of alarms going off. A million percent. um, Well, and also, so I did read this, that, like, originally that scene was supposed to happen, I guess, in Lincoln Center, but Lincoln Center um, wanted money to shoot there. And the Guggenheim was like, yeah, you can shoot here for free. So it's like, okay, we're going to shoot. Whoa, interesting. Like inside Lincoln Center, like at where like the ballet is? I I don't know. I don't know. Because I feel Um, like that makes less sense. Anyway. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, So anyway, we arrive on the roof of the Guggenheim. Uh, The alien is freaking out. Um, and is tired, and he's saying, like, he's coming, he's coming. Um, this is when, in the, in the kind of interchange, when James gets close enough to see this alien, he sees that he's 
got like a second set of eyelids that blink like vertical. Yeah. Um, which is a thing that some animals do and mm-hmm. have. Um, Reptiles usually. And yeah, yeah. And um, and it's got a funny name. It's called like a nictitin. There's something like nictitin. I can't remember. Oh yeah. Um, but so rather than be arrested, however, this alien um, launches itself off the roof of the Guggenheim and ends up dead on the city uh, streets below. Mm-hmm. So. Um, yeah, I keep wanting. I keep all of these feel a bit like cold opens, but I guess what they are is just like setting the story in motion. Because yeah. Because then we go to a farm in upstate New York, where we overhear Edgar complaining to his wife Beatrice that whatever meal she's made is fucking disgusting. I mean, he doesn't say that, but that yeah, he's a piece of shit. He's terrible, and then like kind of his last. Um, line is the only thing that like works around here is my goddamn truck mm-hmm. and we're only seeing the exterior of this farmhouse and as we're seeing it a me- what appears to be a meteor is coming down coming down coming down and where does it smash? Right into his goddamn truck. Correct. So out comes Edgar to investigate the sound he sees that his um, truck's been ruined and I mean there's a lot of really good actual comedy in this movie because then he says very deadpan figures you know like mm-hmm. uh, his life has gone from bad to worse um, and as he comes closer and closer to the edge so this meteor or what we think is a meteor has created a big hole in the ground he comes up to the edge and then what happens to him uh, he gets pulled in well, what is he? He says some, right. he says something, and I can't remember exactly what he says. Something like, "You have to pull pull it oh, from my." He comes out with a gun. Oh yeah, and this, I he think he comes out with a gun, and then the entity inside says, "Put down that gun" or something. And then he says, "You have to pull it from and my cold dead fingers." He he says, you have to pull it from my cold, right. dead fingers. And he says, like, offer accepted or something like or something along those lines. Yeah. Um, and yeah. pulls and, him in. And then, like, a, a big, that's the part I like the best. And I had kind of forgotten that it did this because I hadn't seen this movie in a while. It's a big claw that pulls him in by the head. Yeah. And then you see, um, and I can't remember, like, but then you see, like, his skin, like, flop mm-hmm. back up. Like a, like, yep. a, just, like, his just his skin and then it gets pulled back yeah. in yeah like the it look i it's like the skin gets like burped out almost <laughs> and then gets pulled back into the hole and then some amount of time later it's unclear exactly when now we've shifted to putting edgar in quotation marks <laughs> um he emerges from the hole and goes into the house um, and he starts talking to his wife, Beatrice, asking for sugar water. And in my handwritten notes, I already wrote, like, pretty good makeup on Vincent D'Onofrio. He already doesn't look like himself. Like, yeah, and he, like, and he already, 
already. And he already doesn't sound like himself. He's saying, like, sugar. Sugar in water. And, like, if you... If you... I don't know how long Beatrice and Edgar are supposed to... But it's, like, growlier than that. Yeah, I mean, I can't do it. But um, if you were married to someone, I'm going to assume they've been married for a long time because they're, like, mean to each other. Um, Right. So you've been with someone for that long, and then all of a sudden they, they go outside... And undis- like, let's say 30 minutes later, they come back in and have a totally different speaking voice and are asking for sugar water. I would be, and I guess she was skeptical and suspicious. Like, I would be very suspicious right away. Yeah, because she's like, Edgar, your skin's hanging off your bones. All right. And oh, and yeah, that's right. Like, and he goes, is oh, this is better? This better? <laughs> that's right. Oh, yeah, I would, I would faint like I believe she does. She does. She immediately falls backward and faints. Um, and then we watch, quote-unquote, Edgar roll a UFO out of the hole that it has made in the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now we've been introduced to all of the major players in the remainder of the story. Mm-hmm. We come back to the NYPD, and James is being questioned because... Um, I think this is actually true, that whenever um, there's, like, a death associated with an arrest or an attempt at an arrest, there needs to be at least some semblance of a... Of an investigation. Yeah, yeah. ...situation. So they're asking about, like, what the deal was with this person he was trying to run down. Um, And specifically, they're like, and you say he blinked twice. And they're like, and he's like, no, he blinked once. And then he blinked with a second set of, like, eyelids. And they were like, no, you're insane. And he's like, "Um, this was, again, a great opportunity for um, I know what I saw, Mm -hmm. uh, which is uh, what always happens in these movies. Um, And they leave him alone, kind of being like, whatever's going on with this guy, he's refusing to kind of... He, like uh, they're gonna put him on desk it. duty. I feel like they're like, right, you're crazy. Right. Yeah, you're a loose cannon, and if people die around you, we can't have you out there in the streets. Um, meanwhile, Laurel, who is um, she's not a mortician; she's a coroner. Yeah, she's the coroner. Um, she shows up, and she says that she believes him. Um, we don't know exactly why, um, but then as soon as she leaves the room, what happens to her? Kay f- flashy things her. Yeah, he neuralizes her and comes into the room himself and starts talking like a mile a minute about um, what I think he's calling a cephalopoid. Yeah, and something. he starts turning off the cameras and stuff in the room, I think. Yeah. Um, and he's like, um, what you saw was this particular type of alien. He was tired from running, so he was. those were his gills that you saw blink. Mm. Um, and James is like, what are you talking about? And he's like, well, if you want to know more, you can come with me. So then we cut to this pawn shop, um, which both Kay and James know. Uh, James knows it because the guy who runs it, this is Tony Shalhoub. Mm -hmm. The character's name is Jeebs for some reason. Mm -hmm. Um, And James is like, he doesn't have the weapon that that 
guy I was running down has. He doesn't ever do, deal in weapons. He's more of a, like, stolen jewelry person. Mm-hmm. And Kay's like, well, we'll just see, won't we? Um, and so they go in. Uh, Jeebs knows both men. Um, and Kay is like, I'd like to see the imports. Mm-hmm. And Jeebs is like, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, but then things, things get rather tense pretty quickly. Um, what happens? Um, well, Kay shoots him in the head and his head blows off. And then, um, James is like, what the actual hell? And pulls his gun out. But then Jeebs's head grows back and I don't, and for some, I don't know if he goes, oh, he says, you have no idea how much that stings. But it kind of reminded me yeah. of, of, like, Ren and Stimpy when he'd be like, you idiot. That's, like, what it sort of reminded yeah, me of. Yeah, he had a similar, it was a similar delivery and tone. <laughs> and, a, and what I, this was also, like, an alien goop moment. Because yeah. when Tony Schlub's head is shot, there's a big green sploosh that yeah. happens. And then when his new head grows back, it's, like, Covered in... It's gooey. Like, yeah, some kind of grease or something. Um, and so needless to say, James is like, what have I just seen? Um, Jeebs then submits and shows these different guns. Like, they all flip out of the wall. Mm-hmm. Uh, James identifies the weapon that the alien he was chasing down was carrying. And as they walk out of the pawn shop, Kay wipes James's memory um, to then end up in this weird-seeming restaurant where, aren't they, like, in front of a... One of those, like, aquariums in the wall oh, kind yeah. of thing? Yeah. Um, and I don't even remember the weird-ass story that Kay is telling, but he's, like, telling some kind of nuts story and laughing his ass off. And James wakes up very disoriented. And Kay, of course, is like, oh, man, you really can't handle your liquor. Um, you should really slow it down. And there it does seem to be evidence of, like, a fair amount of beer bottles in front of him or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, oh, okay, that's the story that Kay's told him. is like he blacked out because he was drunk. Um, mm-hmm. And then he's like, oh, by the way... I'll see you tomorrow. And he gives him a business card with an address on it. Um, And we don't really need to check in with Edgar in quotation marks quite yet. Um, But we do get a gruesome death here when we check in on him. Um, Then we cut to the next day when James shows up at, it's like an actual building, I guess, somewhere probably in downtown Manhattan that's like the Bridge and Tunnel Authority. Yeah, I actually, when I when I saw that, I was like, is that a real place? I'm not sure. It probably is. It's. I think it looked like it was like sort of like an MTA building or something like that, but um, I don't know if it actually exists or not down in Battery Park. I yeah, I. it does exist, and I think it even is like, the whatever organization is listed out on the front is what it belongs to. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just the exterior shot. Yeah. Um, so James shows up 
and he arrives just in time to take some test. And this is another time where he's wearing like that big red silky looking jacket. Yeah. He also um, wears lots of big clothes, which I think was a 90s thing. Yeah, for his sure. clothes are huge. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Totally to wear like the world's largest everything. Yeah. Um, so he shows up and there's this group of men all sitting in like little egg-shaped chairs, I guess is <laughs> the way I would describe them. Yeah. Um, and Zed is there, a.k.a. Rip Torn is there explaining that they're doing a special test. Um, I noticed, unsurprisingly, it's literally all dudes. Yeah. Um, in this test. Uh, so we, while there were a couple of black guys in the room other than Will Smith, uh, they hadn't quite worked out the gender parity thing yet. Yeah. Um, and so the tests, I would, I mean, maybe we're meant to see, assume there are more, but they're not like super rigorous. It's like one paper test and one shooting test. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it sort of seems like it's a formality, you know, like, um, because it seems like Kay is already wanting James and just wanted to, like, make it seem... That's true. You know. Official. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose that's true. Um, I also, one of the things, like, that it was... So do you think that paper test, do you think the actual answers on that were what mattered, or was the test about would you move your table? <laughs> I don't know, but that whole part was kind of funny, like, and the whole table thing. Um, but, and then I noticed for the first time, there's a table right next to him. There's a small table uh, right next to him. Yeah, that's weird. So why doesn't he just pull that around? That's a good point. Maybe or that is the test. pull his chair up to the table. Yeah, that's another choice. I don't know. Um, and then... I don't know either. And then, like, the shooting gallery test, um, that seems more actually connected to the job that they're doing. Um, Because James ends up shooting a little girl (laughs) right between the eyes. Um, You know, but his explanation was pretty good. Right. She's out late. Why does she have physics books? Yeah, that seems Everybody else seems to be just hanging out. Um, and so then we do see Kay and Zed speaking behind a kind of two-way mirror or one-way mirror, whatever it is. Um, and yes, Kay says he wants James. And so that is good enough to, uh, be selected. Mm. Um, this is when we start getting a little bit more exposition about what the men in black are, what its history is. Um, and, uh, James really is like have you had a cat scan um (laughs) how recent was it he's extremely skeptical but what finally convinces him is when they go into the coffee break room to find there's something really yucky about these specific aliens like something they're like they're like they're like little aren't like the the kind of um I guess they're not quite like greys. Like I feel like greys are like the um No the typical They're more one. like they They're like they big bu- they're kind of buggish. Yeah. 
Yeah, they have an insecty quality to them. But also, like, there's something even just about the way they walk and, like, the way they're talking that's, like, also kind of creepy. Well, they all have, like, like, weirdly, like smokers' voices. Sexual or something? Uh-huh. I don't know. Well, they smoke cigarettes um, and they, like, have kind of, like, raspy voices and they're, like, smoking, co- like, smoking and drinking coffee. So they're, like, you know. And they're talking about, I guess, female versions of their species, whatever their species Yeah, they're like is. dudes at the office, um, right, who are like sitting around yeah, drinking coffee yeah, being yeah, like, yeah. oh, did you see Carol today? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And like not getting any work done. Yeah. Um. So this finally convinces James. And then we cut to, is this Battery Park where they're um, sitting on that bench? Yeah, I think so. Like I think there's the, the Statue of Liberty or something. Yeah, I think so. So this is where we get kind of to the opening question that I asked you. Kay explains that there are about 1,500 aliens on Earth at any one moment and that most are living in Manhattan. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is a a running gag in here. James says, cab drivers, and then Kay responds with, not as many as you'd think. (laughs) Um, And is that, like, are cab drivers in New York that, like... Well, more strange than anybody else. Well, I would say that like the like that. I don't think that joke would be written anymore. Um, I think the the thing about well, cab- there are hardly any cabs. Because Wait, it's very different. Just yeah, her, like, it is very different. And there was one part where it, like there's someone's like getting away in a cab, and then it's like the whole street is cabs. And I was like, that's not what the streets look like anymore. Uh, but um, no, I know. But it's also like. Um, I feel like there was, like, a time, maybe it was the 90s, I guess it was, where, like, the joke was just that, like, cab drivers are kind of crazy. And not even that, like, as people, they were crazy, but, like, they drove crazy, and it was just, like, kind of, they're very aggressive, and it was just, like, um, like, I don't know if it was, like, a thing of, like, who would want that job? I'm not sure, but um, I don't think it's, it's just that there's not, like, a culture of, like, oh, crazy cab drivers anymore, I don't think. So, here we are. Uh, James has learned all of this information, and then Kay basically finishes off by saying, if you want this job, then you have to sever all contact with everyone that you have ever known. Um, And he's like, so I'll give you till tomorrow to think about it. And then we watch kind of like a time lapse of James sitting in the park, thinking about whether or not he's up to this challenge. Would now, you what do I thought that? was interesting about... Well, I'll finish what I oh, will sorry. say is what I thought was interesting is they give this time for this moment. So there's this beat in this movie where we're watching him think about this. Mm-hmm. But there's never been any real show in the movie of, like, does he have... His family. Like, his friends or yeah. a parent or like a girlfriend or a something that's true um, and even there's in been none of that and even in this like time lapse they don't show him like if that were the case calling someone yeah if that were the case i'd be like oh let me go have dinner my final dinner with so-and-so or let me go like packing myself in my apartment that i love or whatever you know like right right so i don't know if we're meant to infer that maybe he's already a bit of a solitary person, mm-hmm. perhaps. Um, but, you know, I thought it was interesting that uh, 
that's how this kind of time is spent where he's just sitting there thinking about it. Yeah. Um, in terms of could I do it, uh, I think that... Hmm. How would I... Like, I think that initially I might be like, sure, yeah, fine. I, like, really want to do this job or this seems important, mm-hmm. whatever. And and I, and I even I could say I think I'm a relatively solitary type of person with not a lot of connections mm-hmm. in the world. So, like... I mean, as someone, like, be, in your direct family, like, I'll take offense, but got it. That's not what I mean. I'm saying like if we're if we're talking about numbers here, like yeah, I'm kidding. I'm um, kidding. You know, like the the amount of connections that I have is relatively small. So like, not even about me. Like I'm like, oh, for them it would be an easy job to mm-hmm. like kind of erase me in a way that for somebody else might be a bit trickier, right? Um, but whether or not that's nothing to do with whether I feel I could do it. That's just like the logistics of how it might work. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think it would be one of those things where you would maybe say yes without really fully appreciating what it was you were doing. Yeah. You know, like, I don't think you can really fully understand and until like, you get there what yeah. that means. Like, we learn about K. Right. Yeah, I don't think I could what do it. What about you? Do you think I don't th- you could do it? No, I don't. For I mean, for multiple reasons, I don't think I could actually do the job either because, like, mm. multiple things. But, yeah, I don't think I could. I I very much like my alone time, but I also um, get lonely easily. So, no. Yeah. I, I mean, you would have your work colleagues and stuff. Yeah, Tommy like, Lee Jones doesn't like, seem that comforting not, to me. No, they're not <laughs> saying you can't talk to people ever again. What they, I know, what, but... What they are saying is, like, yeah, it's going to be a but very if you have, the, I mean, and, and it's also one thing, like, if they were to tell me, like, I'm going to erase your memory of these people so you won't know. I mean, that's, like, not great because that the people still know. But if you right. maintain that memory and also can't have contact, I think that that would be hard. Like we see uh, Kay looking at his little, um, you know, computer of his lady friend or whatever. Right. So, yeah, I don't think I could do it. Yeah. No, it does seem like my impression, and they don't say much about this because then we see the, this erasing, erasing process happen because James does decide he wants to do that. Um, I think you maintain your memories of people, but I think those people get neuralized, so they don't remember you at all. Oh, that's sad, too. (laughs) Yeah. Or they get get told some different story, like you you died or you're in a coma or whatever. Right. Like, we don't see that because probably it would be a bummer. Right. Um, But, like, because Tommy Lee Jones is, like, erasing all of... Uh, his data right like while James is like getting ready right um and so that I just think that's how that works is like there and so maybe there's also a team that goes out to find the people that you were connected with and just are like we're gonna flash them like a bunch Mm -hmm. um so that you're not there anymore um 
And so then, of course, this happens, and we get the quintessential line of the movie when finally we see uh, Jay emerge uh, from this kind of transformation. Um, and what does he say? This is the difference between you and me. I make this look good. Indeed. That, mo- that line that will live forever in the history of the silver screen. Um, this is also a period where we learn, again, more about uh, the Men in Black as an organization. We get the full reveal of the entirety of their headquarters, which is not only kind of like an office, but also like a bus depot. Or like an airport, yeah. Um, where all the inning, where all the arrivals and departures for various aliens are happening. Um, as we're walking through there, we see um, very prominently featured the guy who even played Lurch. Yeah, and his family is now yeah. done up in a different um, alien configuration. Is that what that guy looks like um, in real life? Is he just like a huge guy? He is big and tall, yeah. That's funny. And I think he's it's a specific condition, which I oh. can't remember the name of. Um, oh. This is also where we get a bit of a sight gag where um, Kay is showing, like, aliens, like, that they've been tracking aliens, and they're constantly, like, I don't know how they're doing this. They don't he make it clear. He is seven maybe, feet like, tall. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Seven feet tall, does it say if he's got a condition or anything? Um, he is from, he is Dutch. He's from. Um, oh, yeah. They're usually quite tall. Personal life? What is it? What it say? Or, wait. Oh, wait, wait. His distinctive facial features and height are due to acro, acromegaly? Is a disorder oh, that results I actually from know what that is. excess growth hormone after growth plates have closed. Whoa. Yeah, I actually know what that condition is because I learned about it for my book. But it's not like <laughs> so. I, it's not the same as like being a quote unquote giant. It it may maybe to some it it would kind of be in some spectrum of gigantism, but it just means that like. Um, human growth hormone and all of us tells our bodies like in puberty like start growing and then eventually it says stop growing yeah um in this case uh the that stop growing part doesn't ever like that message doesn't get received and so um well, one, you can be quite tall, but also, like, and it sounds like what this guy has is, like, it affects different parts of your body. Oh, so it says, if excess can, growth hormone is produced during childhood, the result is the condition gigantism rather than acromeg... I don't know how to say this. And it is... Ex- okay, so it's different. Like, this one, this specifically, what he has, the onset is in, like, middle age. And, but if it's, right. If so that's why he's got those... Childhood, it's different. Right. That's why he's got those big prominent cheekbones yeah. and his head shape seems strange. Yeah. Um, because the human growth hormone for those bones is basically saying keep growing. But know? he, I mean, he's 74. Um, he's still alive. So I don't think it seems like, I good. think gigantism 
like you tend to die Can young. Be bad. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, anyway. Yeah, that's him. Seven Good feet tall. Good for him. Damn. That's very tall. Um, yeah. So this is also so they're tracking these aliens, and we see different celebrities of the day, mm-hmm. people like Dionne Warwick and <laughs> Al Roker and Sly Stallone and Newt Gingrich and Steven Spielberg. <laughs> Um, and Danny oh. DeVito is one. Oh my God. Um, they're all portrayed as aliens living amongst us. Um, and I think this is also where we see, yeah, this is where Kay explains the kind of origin story of the men in black, that they are not actually a government agency because then there would be some kind of oversight of what they were doing, mm-hmm. um, but that they are a separate uh, entity that funds all of what they do through releasing alien technologies mm-hmm. that they uh, acquire over time. But this is also where, to answer your question, so he's talking about the origins of the organization, and he says, when we first started out, it was like seven agents and a young kid who just went down the wrong country road, mm. and that was him. Right. He was the kid. Why was he, he with was on agents? his way to a date, what? Why was he with agents when he was a kid? No, he. it was a mistake. Like, oh. an alien sat down asking for, um, what's the word? Asylum oh. on the earth. And there were agents there uh, to meet that alien. And that was in this, like, you know, deserted place. And it just so happened that Kay was driving down that same road on his way to his date with this woman, Mm. then girl. Um, And then once he saw that, it was like, you can't be allowed Uh, to leave. Okay, okay. And so he got, like, he, so that, I'm sure for them, their choice was either he becomes part of this organization. Or we kill him. Um, Maybe they didn't have, yeah, because maybe they didn't have the neuralizer. Oh, they wouldn't have, It like, they wouldn't have any alien technology yet. So it was yeah. like, okay, then he's going to become a part of our organization. Got it. So so now we have all kind of, to the degree we need backstory and exposition, we've gotten it all. And the, now the movie changes kind of tone and pace quite a bit. Um, we see, quote unquote, Edgar um, <laughs> drive up to a jewelry store and watch a man and a cat walk out we don't really know why that's important next we go back to the men in black headquarters where um they're discussing that uh there have been some unauthorized landings uh and i guess from this we're meant to think about like the landing outside of edgar and beatrice's home And there's also um, an alien who has kind of jumped ship. He's on the road driving out of Manhattan toward Jersey. And Zed is like, go figure out what's going on with this guy. (laughs) We then, now, I think I'll, let's follow K and J to find out what's going on. Um, And then we'll return to what quote unquote Edgar is doing after that. Okay. Um, So K and J head out to Jersey. Uh, They catch up with a guy who's being called Mr. Regic. He and his wife are 
driving in their station wagon, preparing to leave Earth. And Kay is asking why he would do that, um, particularly because his wife is very pregnant and about <laughs> to give birth. Um, and so they, Kay pulls Mr. Regic aside and starts talking to him. Meanwhile, we see that, in fact, his wife is, like, actively in labor. Um, and so then Jay is left to deal with that. Um, and the main point here is the sight gag. Mm-hmm. So do you want to describe the sight gag? So he, so Kay says, Jay, you handle this whole, like, person giving birth thing, and I'm going to go talk to Reggie. So we see... Uh, Reggie and Kay in the foreground talking, and in the background we see Jay next to the car, and tentacles have grabbed him, and he is, like, getting, like, smashed all around inside and out of the car. Yes, and they're big-ass tentacles. They're very, um... Uh, who's the guy who does Cthulhu? Um, that style thing. And he's getting smashed. But then happily, the baby is finally born. Um, and I will say, it, it is did cute. Have like, um, it's cute. It's like a baby Yoda <laughs> kind of vibe to it with like weird it's very alien. It's the very back of its head. Yeah, it's very alien looking, but it is like weirdly cute. And then, of course, it spits up on Jay. Yep. Um, Less cute. And then. Less cute. And so then they get back in the car, and Kay says to Jay, did you notice anything strange about that? And, of course, <laughs> Jay's like, uh, like, all of it? What are you talking about? And Kay's like, why would Reggie go, um, you know, when he's about to have this baby? Something's really wrong. We need to go hit the hot sheets, is what he says. <laughs> um, and so then we cut to Kay being outside a newsstand, getting a bunch of tabloids, um, that say all kinds of crazy stuff. And Jay is like, these are where you're going to get your hot information. <laughs> um, and Kay is like, yeah, this is the best reporting <laughs> being done. And it's like Esquire um, or even worse. What were those? I don't know what all of them No, it was like weekly because we don't have them anymore, but it was like weekly world news. Um, it was and, like all the ones that um, are like Elvis the Inquirer. sightings. You're thinking Inquirer. of the Inquirer. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't even think these things even exist anymore. Um, and if they do, I guess they're all, like, online type things. Um, but so then one of them says, uh, my husband, like, is being possessed by an alien or something. He's like, see, that's where we need to go. Um, so we follow them again out to Edgar and Beatrice's farm, um, where they start asking... Beatrice to tell a bit more about uh, the experience that she had. And she's like, what? So you can make fun of me too? And they're like, no. Uh, I think even Kay says something. Um, the FBI doesn't have a sense of humor that we're aware of. Yeah, he does. <laughs> See, the, um, the, those are so, the types of lines that Tommy Lee delivers with just like, he's perfect at that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. Like, said like a true lawman sort yeah. of thing. Um, so they sit down in her, uh, I guess, like, living room or whatever. And she says that um, Edgar came back, but it, like, wasn't Edgar. 
It looked like he was wearing a what? An Edgar suit. Yes, but she keeps saying him, calling him Edgar. Which yeah, because I don't really because know it was her accent, like the whole about. thing, like she she's like yeah, she calls him Edgar, an Edgar suit. Yeah, and so he comes back in an Edgar suit. He asks for sugar water, and then he leaves uh, suddenly in the night forever, apparently. Um, so as soon as Kay hears this, he neuralizes um, Beatrice, and this is when he starts saying, what you saw that night was swamp gas rising up oh. and like hitting some lightning or whatever. And that is a, a really common thing that people say whenever like they're trying to say that you didn't see a UFO, you saw something else. Mm-hmm. Um, but Jay uh, isn't really happy with this story. He improves upon it so that um, Beatrice will not feel bad about the fact that her husband is gone and left her and also an alien, but that it's going to be like her time in the sun to like uh, move on with her life or whatever. Um, and I did notice because I'm one of these women now, he does say like, go get a facial <laughs> and like all this stuff. And since facials are my new thing, I'm like, yeah, she should get that. That's a real treat. Um, so that is where, um, we more or less leave things except that, um, when they leave the house, Kay says, um, we've got a bug on our hands and Jay's like, what's that? And it's like kind of a death and destruction thing. If a bug is in town, we'll have to watch the morgues cut to the morgue because in a scene that we've not yet discussed, Edgar quote unquote, um, has followed this old man that he saw at the jewelry store Mm -hmm. to a diner where the um, Lurch and this old guy are meeting up together. They're having food together um, and having a chat. And we learn that they are guarding something called the galaxy, uh, which then, quote-unquote, Edgar kills them to receive yeah. in the hopes of stealing it from them. Um, so when we arrive at the morgue, there were actually three bodies that are dropped off because there's one which is to like even get close to these people, quote unquote, Egger killed the server right. in the diner by like folding him in half <laughs> and putting him on a shelf, which is kind of weird. Sounds awful. Um, so that body came to the morgue and then these two aliens who we learn um, are called Archillians um, are also dropped off at the morgue for Laurel to examine. When she exam, so she's examining the bodies. Mm-hmm. Kay and Jay show up as she's examining them and they ask her to kind of like walk them through her findings mm-hmm. about these bodies. And she's like, oh yeah, like, you know, one is just a human who's been folded in half. The <laughs> other has this incredible kind of like musk musculature that and skeletal structure that I've never seen before that's lurch yeah and she's like and then there's this and she brings uh Jay over to the old man's body Mm -hmm. where we learn that apparently this body has no organs in it whatsoever (laughs) um 
and appears to simply be some kind of a housing or a case or a transport vessel for something else. Um, Terrifying. And then, yeah, I, I would be like, I am putting down my morgue tools and walking out of this and, room forever yeah. and never coming back. Same. Um, but in her case, they press a little like button on the ear of this person and the head, the face opens up to reveal what inside? Uh, um, a little tiny alien sitting on a chair. A very little tiny alien, but like it's not even just a chair. It looks like a little the throne. little tiny alien has like like a control room mm. where it must be like typing in like move arm. Do oh yeah, this right. It's like, like the brain of the, this. Uh, being or whatever body quote unquote yeah body yeah um and but it's dying in there somehow and it manages to wheeze out to prevent war the galaxy is on orion's belt um and we don't really know what that means right k comes by he neuralizes laurel and um, also in this scene, we realize that both Jay and Laurel have been neuralized a number of times um, before because they keep saying that they've had a deja vu about each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so they've probably been neuralized a number of times. And in fact, Jay himself asks Kay, how many, how many times? times have you flashy thinged me? Yeah. <laughs> um, they return to headquarters... Um, to try and figure out what this Orion's Belt clue is all about. Zed is like, there is no galaxy on Orion's Belt because, of course, Orion's Belt is those three stars in the constellation of Orion. Yeah. So there's no galaxy around those stars. And Zed is like, you must have misheard what the alien was saying. And then we get another classic in an alien movie, I Know What I Heard from Jay. Um, this is when Jay walks up behind Kay to find him looking at this old girlfriend he was supposed to meet on the fateful night mm-hmm. um, that he joined the Men in Black. Um, so did you notice she was she lives on Cape Cod? I didn't notice that. I noticed Massachusetts. I couldn't figure out where exactly. No, she's somewhere in Cape Cod, unclear exactly where. But I was thinking, you know, I don't think this is cool because like this is right on the edge of stalkery i would say well yeah but he knows her yeah but she doesn't like we have to assume she's she doesn't have a memory of him right i know but yeah um yeah it's questionable i guess but. Yeah, but anyway, we can't really linger on this because then <laughs> at headquarters, they start getting all of these reports of like massive amounts of um, alien vessels leaving Manhattan. We don't know why. 
And then it's revealed that the reason everybody's leaving town is because there is an Archelian battle cruiser hanging out in orbit over Earth. And they are wanting their galaxy back. So the thing that the little tiny alien was supposed to be protecting, they want that back. And they are holding the men in black responsible for its loss. So if the men in black can't deliver the galaxy, then we are in real trouble. trouble. So I guess because they don't have any leads, they decide to go back to the jewelry store where the little tiny alien living inside the old guy's head worked as a jeweler. Mm -hmm. And it just so happens that quote-unquote Edgar is also there right at the same time. And so they presume that quote-unquote Edgar probably knows something about what's happening here. Um, And then they get into a big shootout, um, which is not great because, of course, it draws attention Mm -hmm. to what they are doing. And um, Kay is more upset about drawing attention than he is about the seeming impending implosion of the Earth. Yeah. Um, And that's because uh, the number one priority of a man in black is to keep humans unaware of anything to do with aliens. Right. And Jay's like, but the Earth's going to end. And he's like, the Earth is always about to be, like, (laughs) exploded or whatever. Um, and I'm, if that's true, I am glad that I don't know that because it would be hard to go yeah. about my life in that world. Yeah. Um, so then there's a scene where they talk to an alien in the form of a cute pug named Frank. I do love that. Um, and it's a great scene. It's very funny. I don't think we really need to talk about it much more other than to say that Frank reveals that the that the reason the bug, a.k.a. quote-unquote Edgar, is in town is because the bugs want to steal the galaxy because the galaxy is an energy source. Mm. And he also says the galaxy is actually super-duper tiny, and that's why, you know, you guys have been looking in the wrong place. Mm. And that's when Jay realizes that the galaxy they've been looking for is actually on the cat and its collar because the cat is named Orion. Right. So they're like, oh shit, we need to go back to the morgue. We need to get that cat. We need to figure out what's what. That cat's just been like Um, hanging out at the morgue. That seems kind of fucked up. Well, that was the whole thing. Initially, like, Laurel's like, what are you going to do with this cat? And the police officer who's dropping off the body's like, that's your problem. That's really weird. That doesn't seem, like, I don't think that's normal. (laughs) No, I think it would go to animal control. Yeah, for sure. Um, Edgar has also figured out that the galaxy's on the cat, so he has also showed up at the morgue before J and K have. And this is actually... Um, a, a little cameo with a then probably very lesser known actor named David Cross. Yeah. Um, and he's like the morgue attendant who, I don't know why there are so many bugs in this morgue. Because he's got all kinds of like bug killing equipment. Yeah. Like fly swatters and like um, 
raid and yeah. stuff. Like, yeah. Um, so I don't know. I, I hope a morgue isn't full of bugs. I would. I Good God. I mean, I know they're probably not like. I would think actually they would have to be quite clean. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping for. I mean, I guess you're um, dead, so who cares, but... Yeah, but unfortunately for David Cross, this really incenses Edgar, so he ends up in a big puddle of goo <laughs> up on the ceiling. Um, Jay and Kay arrive looking for the cat, um, only to discover that um, basically Laurel becomes a hostage yeah. of... Um, quote unquote Egger at this point he like pulls her out of the room along with the cat um, and they go off in a cab and this is where there's that bit that you were talking about where like there's a whole city street full of cabs yeah um, and so they can't find her right um, meanwhile they so then in in concern they return to uh, headquarters um, where they learn that now the Archelians have given them one galactic standard week to return the galaxy to them, which, unfortunately for them, is one hour. That sucks. Um, yeah, they have one hour to figure out where the galaxy is, get it back, and give it to the Archelians. Um, but now they know that the galaxy is with the bug because the bug took the cat and took Laurel. And so... They're like, where do you think he's going? What do you think he's doing? And I think Kay says, well, he's probably going to try and get off world. And it's like, well, but we took his ship, so how is he going to do it? And mm-hmm. then um, Jay sees these this photograph of the World's Fair from, like, the 1960s and is like, do those still work? Mm-hmm. Um, so then the final big scene of this movie is at the World's Fairgrounds. Um, K and J show up with exceptionally large silver guns. Um, there's only eight more minutes before the Earth is dis- going to be destroyed by the Archelians. Quote unquote, Egger eventually manages to take off in one of the UFOs at the World's Fair. Um, but happily, uh, K and J are able to crash it to the ground with their big-ass guns. Yeah. Um, Quote-unquote, Edgar then comes out of the UFO, and I because we didn't really talk about this, but in each scene, the Edgar suit is getting grosser and grosser. Yeah, his skin is um, deteriorating, and it's, yeah. it's, like, getting blue and, like, yeah. Yeah, and, like, one of his eyes looks, like, cataracty. Yeah. Um, and all, and his fingers are all gross. Um, so at this point, finally, he rips his skin off completely. I mean, and this is his famous line. This is, what does he say? Because he says, they say, put your hands on your heads. And he, he says, I'm on my hands, on my head, I like this. (laughs) And then he rips his skin off. (laughs) I mean, I don't know if that's his famous line, but clearly. Oh, it's famous in my head. It's famous in my head because um, of the way he says it. So, yeah, and then he does, he peels, you see him from the back, like, peel his face off, like, half, you know, yeah. pull it down. And then he's, then he's revealed as the bug. He eats their guns immediately, or at least one of the guns. Um, 
And then Kay starts, like, insulting the bug and gets swallowed by it. Um, and for I can't remember how long he ends up staying in there. Um, Pretty long time. Jay, yeah, Jay, I think, thinks that Kay is dead, but I'm not totally sure. But then, of course, what really happens is that Kay wanted to be in there. He wanted to be swallowed so that he could use the gun that also got swallowed to shoot out of the stomach of the bug. And somehow the galaxy is in there. I'm not totally sure how. I guess maybe he ate that cat, too. Did he eat that cat, too? Oh, did he? Or maybe he just ate the galaxy. I I forget. Oh, yeah. Maybe. I think he did. He swallowed it. Um, good thing he so doesn't chew anything. Now they, I, I guess, or, or have like stomach acids that yeah. do anything. Um, so the galaxy is safe. They have it in their possession and it looks like the bug is about to jump out and get them. But Laurel, who had been kind of thrown to the side as soon as she was no longer useful, has picked up one of the big guns and shoots the bug. And I think she says something like, interesting job you guys have yeah um now i couldn't remember if this last little bit happened in the headquarters of uh mib or if it was still uh at the world's fairgrounds but basically jay's like i don't want to neuralize laurel again she helped us um i think we should just let her remember this Uh and then Kay is looking up at the sky and he's saying that the stars are beautiful which is what his old partner said to him um just before being retired Uh um this is also when Kay reveals uh that he wasn't training a partner he was training his replacement um and he wants Jay to neuralize him and Jay at first hesitates and he's like you know i have all these memories i don't want go ahead and do it Mm -hmm. and so that is what happens and the final moments of the film we're back out on the street jay and laurel who i have to assume has been turned into l um are looking at some tabloids talking about um you know the business of the day in one of the tabloids, as you said, we see a man waking up from a 35-year coma. It's Kay. He's gotten his happy ending with the girl uh, he meant to go on a date with 35 years before. Good thing she didn't um, meet nobody else in 35 years. I know. Or or maybe she met, like, a person had a whole marriage and it fell apart. And That's now possible, she was too. perfectly ready for this guy. That's possible, I don't know. too. Um, and so then we... Watch them drive off in a in their new car. They also have different outfits. Like the final looks on both of them, I would actually say were very Matrix. Yeah, looking like they just have like updated shirts and like yeah. funny glasses and stuff. Yeah. Um, and then we go to a super super big zoom out where we see that Earth is part of a galaxy that is actually just the size of a marble to an even super huger alien life form in the world in, or in the galaxy or no, in the universe. And then screen goes black, MIB song kicks off, movie over. Boom. Yeah. 
and you love it. It's summertime. You go out into the hot sun. Yeah. You've had a great afternoon. It's only an hour, 38 <laughs> minutes. It's great. It's accessible. It's fun. I know. And in fact, even though this is a very long episode, we did not talk about this movie for the length of the running time. So yeah. that's pretty good for us, personally. Yeah. Um, so, before we do our final thoughts and wrap up, um, yawns and eye rolls. One yawn yeah. is, I was engaged the whole time. Ten yawns is, I was engaged none of the time. What would you give it? I think I might give it a one. I, I'm engaged, and I've seen wow. it. Wow, 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 wow. That's amazing. I'm just like, I need to... <laughs> I mean, that's, that's just like never happens. I know. And I've seen it many times and I still, okay. I mean, I guess if I'm honest, like, did I look away because I've seen it many times? I don't need to pay attention the same way. Maybe that's true. Sure. But I'm, but I'm engaged yeah. nonetheless. Yeah. And I would say the same. I give it the same score and had the same experience where there were times where I was like, yeah, I don't think I need to super pay attention to this because I have seen this many a time. Yeah. But it had been a while for me, so I, I enjoyed it yeah. kind of as a trip down memory lane. Mm-hmm. In terms of eye rolls, one eye roll is I didn't think there was anything campy or weird or too much in this movie. Mm-hmm. And ten eye rolls is like, I think everything was campy and too weird and too much in this movie. Mm-hmm. What would you give it? Well, that's so, that's tough because, I mean, there is a lot of goo and some of it's like very specific mm. bright colors, but at the same time, I very much bought into the world and because it's something that, yeah, I would say like a two. I'm pretty much there. Like, yeah, I don't know. It doesn't, I know it is a little campy, but it doesn't bother me. Like I'm still in, in it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't call this terribly campy, really, at all. Mm. Um, like, it seems like it's trying to... It's. I mean, it's funny, but it's not funny because it's, like, bad or it's not working or whatever, yeah. which is often how camp sort of functions. Yeah, I guess so. Um, so, yeah, I think I agree with you on that as well. I'll give it a two because it's, you know, there's some stuff Yeah, it's nuts, but it's not totally nuts. So... Well done, both of us and all of you. I mean, I assume from both of us, it's a yes, recommend. Yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And also, right now, it's on Netflix, so it's easy to find. I think all three Men yeah. Blacks are on Netflix right now, so you know for sure. Like, what are you doing? Yes, of course, it's a fun. Yeah, it's a it's, fun little. I mean, it's a fun one. If like, I do think there might be a slight generation gap, so it's possible. Um, if you were born after the year 2000, you might not be as aware of this. Oh, well, um, I'm not talking so to anybody who's born after the year 2000. <laughs> well, the only way it would be appropriate for us to speak to them is via this podcast. I not guess like so. be in the same room with such a person. I've never been in the same room um, with someone that young. Like, um, so... Aren't but I still even think any of our cousins born after the year two thousand? Maybe not. Maybe. Ooh, I just like literally don't now. even know. Uh, yeah, um, no, they are. They probably are. Ooh, I don't know. Anyway, yeah, um, some of our younger ones, I think, maybe are born after the year two thousand. But anyway, 
I I think even a young crowd could find this fun. No, that's what I mean. It's like I think you should know about this if somehow you haven't been aware of it because you're too young to have yeah. like been aware of it. That's yeah, yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Um it's great. It's a real good fun movie, but also if if once you realize what it is and you're used to the plot points, it's a good napping movie, which... It's in, really in easy. It's realm, like, it goes down real easy. We and, love it. And I think, like, my big... Why it works for me, A, the length of it, B, the fact that it is a very, like, linear one storyline. I am someone who does yeah. get bogged down if things are too complicated and, you know, I start to, you know, not pay attention. Um, that all yeah. works for me. Um, Vincent D'Onofrio's performance is stellar, in my opinion, as Edgar. Um, this is, I mean, that's great to me. Like, I think it's, I think it's, so I think it's, this. I think it's the pinnacle of his career. I mean, I really do. I think he's great. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's great in this movie. And I know that. So I'm, you think he deserves like an Oscar for this? I would not be mad at that. I, I would, I would be like, yeah, sure. I'm okay with it because okay. because I don't know what it takes to like that type of makeup he had to put on every day. There also seemed to be parts sure, where sure. he had like a prosthetic in his mouth to like aid him with that like creepy ass voice. Like I'm not sure. Like, well, there were times when it, it there were times when it looked like there was something kind of like between his, his lip and his teeth. To yeah, make something. Look I don't know what the f was happening there. Yeah, but I mean, but I bow down to him in this role. I think he's great. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not to bring up anything bad, but I'm glad he's been redeemed in your eyes in contrast to the movie that shall not be named that we talked about yeah. with him before. Yeah. And I don't um, and I mean and I don't even I know he's more known for many other things and he was on Law and Order Criminal Intent for years and I don't really care for him on that. But this is No, I don't care. For is him. A plus work in yeah. my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> I mean Okay, we just have to end on a high note. That's great. It's been a pleasure. Uh, I'm Sarah. I'm here with Amy. And we will see you next week in space. Your skin's coming off your bones. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of See You Next Week in Space. This is a production by Amy and Sarah Walsh with artwork provided by Riley Brown. If you'd like to learn more about our show, please check us out at seeyounextweekinspace.com or follow us on Instagram at seeyounextweekinspace. Until the next one.